بسم اللہ الحمد للہ وسلاۃ وسلام اللہ رسول اللہ ولی وصحابی اجمائن اما بعد فاؤز باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم رب شرحلی صدری ویسر علی عمری وحل القدم السانی یفق قولی السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ مجر برن سسٹرز اینڈ ویلکم ٹو ندر ایپیسوڈ آف مسلم ان سائڈ ود می راجا ضیاء الحق ٹوڈے ان شاء اللہ وی گنگ ٹو ٹاک اباؤٹ سائنس اینڈ دا سائنٹیفک میتھڈ اینڈ ہاؤ آل آف دیٹ ریلیٹس ٹو دا پروف آف اللہ سبحان تعالیٰ or as some people say that you know i don't really believe in god because i believe in science so is that a genuine claim to make or is that completely false so inshallah we'll talk about that but as always before we go ahead and uh, continue on with our topic let me just quickly take a look at some of your comments and your questions uh, the first question or comment rather we have is from sister fatima abbasi who's asked uh, sir please continue tafsir of quran after ramadan as many young people are taking interest in tafsir just after listening to your few lectures so alhamdulillah jazakallah khair for your feedback inshallah we'll do our best to continue with the tafsir sessions as well uh, apart from the other reminders that we keep putting out there for you guys Uh, the next one we have from Raneem Tahir. Uh, she says, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How to bring ikhlas in your ibadah? Now that's a little bit off topic, but inshallah, uh, ikhlas has to do with your intentions. As the Prophet sallallahu said, innamal amalu biniyat, that actions are judged by intentions. So every time you go into an action, just renew why you're doing that. Just take a moment to see why you're doing that in the first place. For example, if you're giving in charity, why are you giving in charity if you're about to post something uh, positive on facebook for example if you want to share an ayah of the quran or a hadith of the prophet sallallahu or if you want to share a video like this why are you doing this so just reevaluate refresh your intention right then and there and as long as you keep practicing it as i say practice makes perfect you'll inshallah be able to fine tune why you do certain things so inshallah make it a habit that every time you're about to do something good just visit your intention and uh, make sure it is only for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, you know, we all like praise. That's a fact of life. I mean, if I give a lecture and somebody comes up to me and says, you know, mashallah, I really benefited. Alhamdulillah, you like to hear stuff like that. If you cook food for your family and everybody praises you that mashallah, you really cooked well, you know, that was delicious, excellent. Everybody likes to hear that. But the thing is, when you're doing a good deed for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whether you get praised or you get blamed, You have to do that thing anyway. Like, for example, if I give a lecture, if I give a talk and people hate me for it, people are like, oh, no, that was silly. You're stupid. This and that. Do you think I'm going to give up the da'wah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? I'm going to give up calling to Allah? No, of course not. We have to do what is right regardless of whether people like it or they don't like it. So this is why it's important to always speak the truth, always be steadfast in your righteous good deeds, inshallah ta'ala. Okay, we have a comment or question from Sister Aisha Qureshi. She says, As-salamu alaykum, uh, Ziyah sir, I agree with you. Each and everything you said is true, but what's uh, the meaning of that the alim have more importance than abid? In what sense we know an, uh, as an abid? Uh, now it's confused me, subhanAllah. Okay, so the thing is, there is greater virtue as per the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu that an alim has a higher maqam, has a higher degree than an abid. An abid is a worshipper of Allah Subhanahu Taala who prays the five daily prayer, who fasts the month of Ramadan, who gives in charity and so on. So this is an abid, somebody who actively worships Allah. But an alim, somebody who has deep knowledge and understanding of the deen, apart from the fact that he also worships Allah Subhanahu Taala. So an alim, when he worships Allah, Uh, he becomes a greater source of khair 
for a lot of people because now he's going to take that knowledge and teach people and he understands the intentions behind why he's doing all of these things this is why an alim somebody who seeks knowledge of islam uh, has a higher maqam as a higher station than somebody who is simply an abid uh, brother altaf hussain has asked that uh, should i work hard or quit focusing on my dunyavi dreams because everything will happen according to allah no brother uh, altaf the thing is that you whatever dunyavi dreams you have you can have those dreams you, islam doesn't say that you know give up dunya completely no you can follow uh, allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the teachings of the prophet sallallahu and at the same time earn for yourself but just change your intention ever so slightly whatever you earn from your worldly pursuits give back to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spend in charity spend for noble causes you have examples like uh, sayyidna usman ibn affan who was extremely wealthy but he spent for the sake of Allah as well you have examples of Abdurrahman ibn Awf who was extremely wealthy by today's standards he would have been a multi-trillionaire but alhamdulillah he spent for the sake of Allah so inshallah you can be useful even if you pursue your worldly desires okay we have a comment from sister Hana Baker she says sir my question is how can we manage our lives according to islamic rules in this modern and sick environment so uh the thing is there is a hadith of the prophet وسلم, who mentioned that towards the end there will come a time when holding on to your deen will become as if you're holding on to burning pieces of coal in your hand so it's going to become tough but then there is more reward for those people the more difficult remember this is a rule okay so the rule is that the more difficult a task is for you the more reward worthy it is so if right now you're in a situation where everybody around you is going the exact different direction and you're going another way allah knows your situation allah knows where you're at and he will inshallah rahman reward you in the best of ways so hang in there stick to your deen inshallah find good and righteous company to help you along the way Always stick to the Quran so that you keep improving and increasing in your Iman and inshallah you'll make it through on the other side as well with flying colors. We have a comment from Sister Amatul Rahman Wajid. She says, ads? Question mark, question mark, question mark. I hate ads before such talks. Now, let me clarify something. On my channel and on our youth club channels, we do not put on ads okay so we don't believe in putting on ads we have completely uh, switched ads off sometimes sometimes what happens is youtube does something crazy and they just put ads there although us as a policy we don't put ads because again as you mentioned that uh, we don't want to jeopardize our dawah we don't want that you know here i am talking about allah subhanahu ta'ala and the prophet and then out pops an ad out of nowhere where there's somebody who's singing and dancing and all that so we don't want that right so inshallah if anything happens like that this is purely something that uh, youtube might be doing because of some error or mistake it's not something that we do from our side inshallah all right then we have final comment let's take that from sister hadia nadim she says mashallah the clarity in these lectures is just heartwarming and convincing jazakallah khair for that uh, she says personally thought that i uh, that it's like building the basics of islam from initial that I never knew before even being a Muslim. Jazakallah khairan kathira. She says, Jazakallah khairan for your comment and feedback and to all of you who have been commenting and sending your feedback, suggestions, questions. May Allah subhanahu wa bless you and reward all of you. Inshallah, with that, let's move on to our topic which is uh, talking about 
what is science and how does that relate to reaching the ultimate truth now the first question is that sometimes people claim that is science the only way to truth that's a question because when some people claim that i don't believe in god because i believe in science then what they're trying to say is that science is the only way to truth and because we haven't proved allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through empirical evidence empirical evidence is something that you can see with your own eyes or touch with your hands or smell or hear directly this is all scientific method this is part of the scientific method that it has to be something that's testable in front of your eyes it has to be based upon empirical data now this is what scientific method is all about so when a person says that i don't believe in god i believe in science what they're saying is that god needs to be proved from an empirical data standpoint that i need to see him with my eyes then i'll believe him i need to now will like touch him then i'll know who he is i need to hear him directly then i'll know who he is this is what they're saying so is that a fair demand let's investigate now what is science as i said scientific method is based upon empirical data uh, something that you can you know look in front of your own eyes like for example if you look at a physics experiment <clears throat> you have an experiment whereby you have a pendulum and you swing it from side to side and you take a stopwatch and you measure how many oscillations in 60 seconds right so you record that time and you note it down okay in 60 seconds the pendulum went back and forth 40 times for example right uh, this is something which is a scientific experiment or you say that i take uh, salt and i put it in water so this is uh, nacl sodium chloride and i take water which is h2o and i mix them together what comes as a result of that so this is salt water and you can taste it the taste has changed the taste of the water has changed okay you recorded that scientific experiment done putting salt in water resulted in a different compound okay L likewise you can have experiments to do with biology for example whereby you take a plant and you expose it to the sunlight and you take another one which is not exposed to sunlight you observe them over a week long period and see what happens to both plants which had everything else was consistent the only thing different was one of them was exposed to sunlight the other one wasn't again you have a scientific experiment something that you can observe with your eyes this is what science is right this is what science is now science is based upon inductive reasoning that you look at something you observe something and then you induce a general statement like for example a person who takes a bag and in that bag there are some coins so he takes out a coin and it's a 5 rupee coin he takes out another coin and that's a 5 rupee coin he takes out a third coin and that's a 5 rupee coin this is a scientific method so there are let's suppose 50 coins in a bag he takes out three all three are 5 rupee coins so based upon that he says i have induced that all the coins in this bag are 5 rupee coins i took three coins from a bag each coin was a 5 rupee coin therefore all coins in this bag are 5 rupee coins is his statement correct or incorrect the answer would be it really depends well for the it could be correct it could be absolutely correct that yes uh, all of the coins do end up being 5 rupee coins or his statement would be proved wrong whenever the first 10 rupee coin pops out or the 2 rupee coin pops out so the thing is his scientific method was limited based upon the data sample he took he took only 3 coins out so his method is actually bound by the sample size of 3 
because that's all he looked at. He didn't look at the entire bag. If he looked at the entire bag, then it would have been fair to say that all of them were five rupee coins or all of them were not five rupee coins. Let me give you another example. This is known as the black swan problem. And this is a problem with the scientific method. Imagine a person goes to a lake and sits there for about a week and observes all the ducks that come and go at that particular lake. So in a one week period, he observes the movement of 1000 ducks. All of those ducks are white ducks. Therefore, he concludes at the end of that research that all the ducks in the world are white in color. Is this statement correct? It could be. It could very well be that all the ducks in the world are in fact white. But his statement would be proved false whenever the first black duck is discovered or another green duck is discovered or any other color. So the thing is that science is always limited by the observable sample size that we have. People look at a certain sample and they say, and they come up with the generalization. This is what the scientific method does. So science, remember guys, always works on a probabilistic framework. It, it always works on probability that it is very, very highly likely that this is so and so. This is why you find that science sometimes changes itself. For example, when at one point people used to assume that the world is flat. And then they said, no, 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 wait a minute, the world is not flat. Now we have new evidence which suggests that the world is actually round. Uh, Newton made many claims towards uh, and many contributions towards science. A lot of those were completely and outrightly rejected by Einstein because Einstein came in and did some more experimentation and discovered the theory of relativity and so on. So the thing is, science keeps upgrading itself. I remember there was a point in time when people used to believe that the sun is completely stationary and it's not revolving at all. But then round about the 1980s, uh, the scientific textbooks changed and they started mentioning that no, actually the sun is also revolving around the center of the galaxy and the galaxy is also revolving around perhaps what is the center of the universe. So the thing is that science keeps changing as more observations come in. As more data comes in, science upgrades itself. So whatever we know right now of science is based upon a certain probability, a certain probabilistic framework that could be changed when more observations come in or when more data is brought before us. So that's why science can even change. So when you say that science is the ultimate way or the only way to truth, that's not correct. There are other ways to truth as well. Science is one way to truth and a very good way to get to truth. Having said that, I mean, we're not anti-science, by the way. As Muslims, we're not anti-science. We believe that scientific method is a very good method to get to certain conclusions, but it's not the only method. What are some of the other methods to get to the truth? Well, another method is known as logic. Science is different from logic. Uh, for example, logic is deductive reasoning. Science is inductive reasoning. Logic is deductive reasoning. Imagine that, uh, God forbid, there was a robbery in your house and you came home and you saw that the furniture is turned upside down. Everything is just completely smashed and trashed and the drawers have been pulled out and your laptop's missing, your television is missing, your mobile phone is missing. You open up some of your drawers, some of your money is gone. And so automatically you deduce that you've been robbed. Now you call somebody from the police department and an officer comes in and this officer is purely 
basing everything on the scientific method. He asks you a question. He says, did you see the thief with your own eyes? You say, no, I didn't. He says, okay. Did you touch the thief at any point? You say, no, I didn't. He says, okay, you didn't touch the thief. Did you smell the thief at any point? You say, no, I didn't. Okay, you didn't smell. Did you taste the thief at any point? You say, no, I didn't. I certainly did not. Did you hear him at any point? You say, no, I didn't. So the officer said, therefore, the thief does not exist. Because based upon the scientific method, you have not been robbed. You smack him with a shoe and you tell him, listen, I need a detective. I don't need you. I need somebody who's a detective. So a detective comes in and uh, he is now an officer who's going to use logical function, right? So now this detective is basically going to use deductive reasoning. So basically he looks around the house, he looks for footprints, he looks for uh, the window that's been broken into and the glass that's scattered everywhere and he asks you how many people are in the house and he begins to investigate. He realizes that the window that's broken, the glass is outside the house, not inside the house. And he comes to this deduction that somebody from inside kicked the window Therefore, the glass went outside because if somebody had broken from the outside in, the glass should have been inside the living room. So he says that the person who stole is actually somebody who was already inside the house. And so he begins to investigate people inside the house and he finds out that there's a particular person who probably uh, works for you or something. And this is the person who stole and he comes to the right conclusion based upon the footprint he saw and all of that evidence. So he never saw the thief. He never looked at him, touched him, tasted him, smelled him, nothing like that. But based upon evidence, he deduced, right? So logic is like that. Whereby you haven't seen anything, but you come to certain conclusions based upon deductive reasoning. Like this happens to us all the time, by the way. Um, like for example, recently I walked out of my house. I saw that my motorcycle was parked outside. I hadn't put it under the shade and it was wet. I came out of my house, my motorcycle was wet, and the general surface was slightly wet. So I deduced that, oh, it must have rained. It must have rained just a little bit, enough to get the bike a little bit wet, and the ground to become a little bit wet, but not enough to completely soak the bike or completely soak the ground or anything like that. So the thing is, I didn't see the rain happening. I didn't even hear the rain happening. I never smelled the rain happening. Nothing like that. I just came in my house, did some work, came outside. Hello, what's going on? Oh, it must have rained. So the thing is, and, and when I asked people, they said, yeah, yeah, it actually rained for just five minutes. Literally, it rained for like drizzled for five minutes. And that was it. So the thing is, we do this all the time. All the time, we use logical function, deductive reasoning to come to certain conclusions. And those conclusions end up being true. So apart from the scientific method, there is something called logic, which is not the same as science. Logic is something else. Scientific method is something completely different. Okay, then there is something called testimony, meaning when people bear witness to something. For example, if I was to ask you a question that, how do you know that China exists, for example, if you've never been to China? Well, you might say, I've uh, read about it in a book, or I've seen it on a map, or I've seen a video where they show China. 
Well, all of that is testimony. Because unless and until you visit China yourself and touch the ground and talk to the people there, you cannot say from the scientific method that China exists. Because scientific method is always going to be based upon something you see physically with your eyes or touch or taste or smell or all of those things. So if you've read about China in a book, that's not scientific. You're just believing the book. I mean, books talk about uh, dragons and fairy tales as well. Do you believe in dragons and fairy tales? No. But when many people... When the testimony is coming from renowned sources, not from a children's book, but when testimonies are coming from renowned uh, atlases, from renowned encyclopedias, renowned websites, renowned uh, video sites, and so on, then we take that knowledge because we trust those sources and we accept that, that information. So a lot of times, even, even science is done a lot based upon testimony. Like imagine in physics, how many people actually did experiments on gravity before they deduced that the value of gravity of the gravitational pull is 9.8 meter per second square? I certainly never did that, but I took the book's word for it. Whatever the physics book said, I trusted the book source and I said, okay, fine. I mean, if you say 9.8, I guess it's going to be 9.8. So I wrote 9.8. So we take that knowledge because if you had to physically test every single thing, science would not progress. Every single time a scientist would do experimentation and come to certain conclusions and one of his students now wants to like carry on his legacy, the scientist would have to say, look, don't take my word for it. Do all of these experiments yourself from scratch. Each and every single one of them. But that's not how science works. People take other people's work and they, and they run with it and they proceed forward with that. So the thing is that testimony is also a way to truth. For example, how do you know that your mom is your real mom? Something as basic as that. First of all, are you sure that your mom is your real mom? Think about it. Are you sure, are you sure that your mom is in fact your real mom? If you say, yes, I'm sure, then I would say, prove to me scientifically. What evidence do you have? And if you say, well, okay, I can get a DNA test. Well, you haven't gotten a DNA test done now and you still believe that your mom is your real mom. You're still convinced beyond shadow of doubt, although no DNA test has taken place so far. Then what is the evidence for that? And the only evidence is because my mom said so. And my dad said so. And my grandfather said so. And my grandma said so. And my aunt said so. And my uncle said so. And my, so the list goes on. So maybe there are about 20 people in your family who have testified and bore witness to the fact that in fact, that is your real mom. If you say my face looks like her, then your face could look like anybody. There are people who are doppelgangers and lookalikes all over the world, and that doesn't make them our relatives. People are uh, similar to many different people, and that's not a proof that somebody is your relative. Now, the thing is that the only evidence we have is testimony, that we have testimony of our parents. So from the scientific method, you cannot uh, establish these things and neither do we desire these things. Otherwise, every child who would turn one or two years old would have to grab their parents and take them to the hospital, get a DNA test done to make sure that you, in fact, are my real biological parents. But nobody does that. We always go with testimony. So testimony is also way to truth. So there's the scientific method. There is logic. There is testimony. What else? There is um, also this, that science does not answer why questions.
Science does not answer why questions. That's the limitation of science. Like, for example, science can tell you how things work, but why? You don't know. Like, for example, if somebody gives you a chocolate cake as a gift, some random stranger gives you a chocolate cake as a gift, you can bring all the scientists of the world to investigate what that cake is all about, but they cannot tell you why that person gave you that cake. They can tell you how that cake was made, based upon looking at the ingredients and all of that evidence. They can tell you what went into the cake in terms of its chemical composition, in terms of its nutritional value, in terms of the calorie count. All of that data can be extracted from that cake. But why did that stranger give you that cake? They cannot tell you. Who can tell you? The stranger. The stranger can tell you why he gave you that cake. So the thing is, science does not answer why questions. Science can tell you how the human being works, but why was the human being created? Why? This is not the area of science. So science stops right there. So why questions are outside the fold of science. And we all have why questions. Why am I here? Why is the world created this way? Why do we have this? Why do we have that? So all of these questions that are deep philosophical questions are very, very important why questions, which we all ask. Why did this happen to me? Why did I go through that experience? You see, so we need religion for that, to answer those big fundamental and philosophical questions. And finally, guys, uh, science does not verify or validate or talk about or make it its concern to talk about ethical and moral truths. Like all of us know that killing someone is wrong. Correct? We know that killing someone is wrong. We know that hurting other people is not good. We know that lying is not good. But prove to me scientifically that that's so. Why is killing a baby wrong? Why is killing someone wrong? From the perspective of science, killing someone is uh, meaningless because the thing is, uh, a baby is a bunch of random molecules and atoms and uh, tissue paper, just like the one I have here, is also random atoms and molecules. If I tear up the tissue paper or if I kill a baby, as far as science is concerned, none of this is unethical because science doesn't concern itself. As a matter of fact, if I was to take, God forbid, if I was to take a machine gun and AK-47, go into a village and just spray bullets everywhere and kill maybe 50 people, prove to me scientifically that I was wrong. You can't do that because as far as science is concerned, maybe I just, you know, as a matter of fact, science might encourage that type of behavior because you'd say, oh, you've basically successfully controlled the world's population a little bit. You killed uh, 50 people, you've done a bit of population control, and that should serve us better, maybe. So the thing is that as far as science is concerned, it is not concerned with ethics and morality. So for that, again, you need to access religion. There are certain innate values that we have inside of us, which we as Muslims call as fitra. We know something is right and wrong deep down inside because Allah subhanahu uh, created us this way with this innate disposition which we call fitra. So each human being is born with these innate feelings and you know just instantaneously that this is just wrong. You can't hurt other people. That's injustice. You can't kill people. You can't cheat and lie and steal. You can't do that. We all know it deep down inside. But as far as science is concerned, these things are pointless and meaningless. So what we understand today is that science, although is a great way to get to the truth, but it's certainly not the only way. There are other ways to truth as well. There are other ways to knowledge as well. 
And we also realize that there are many limitations of science. First of all, science is limited by the scientific method and by the sample size itself. Science is limited and it's therefore working on a probabilistic framework. Science cannot answer why questions and science has not a foot in the door when it comes to ethics and morality and such things. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is what we understand. So when we talk about proof for God or proof for uh, the Prophet or proof for the Quran, then we can certainly make science one of those tools, but it's not the only tool. I hope that makes sense inshallah and I, and I hope that today's session was beneficial for you guys. I look forward to your comments and your feedback uh, for tomorrow inshallah. Please do remember me and my entire team in your very special duas and we will certainly remember you guys in ours. I'll see you guys tomorrow, same time, same channel. Until then, wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.